Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stand with me this morning if you would. Look around. This is fall break weekend. Half the staff is gone and half of you are gone and half of you are here. So you know what that means? You got to make up for those who are gone. So as I preach, you know, you got to do more amens, hand clapping and say, you know, that's right, brother. So uh, anyway, so, so good to see you. Uh, Carrie and I have been gone for a couple of weeks and this is my first time in the pulpit. So thank you for letting us go. How, how many of you knew I was gone? How many, how many of you didn't know I was gone? How many of you didn't care I was gone? Anyway, it's good to see you. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful that you love us, you care for us. God, speak to our hearts in a very special way. I, I believe you have a word for each and every one of us. If we will hear, we'll receive it. And God, we want to do your will today. In Jesus' holy name, amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. You may or may not know this, but uh, Mary Shelley, who wrote Frankenstein, wrote that novel from a dream she had. Uh, Niels Bors, who is a Danish uh, physicist, went to sleep one night, and in a dream, he saw the pattern of the atom with the nucleus and the electrons going around it, and he won the Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, Elias Howe, who invented the uh, sewing machine, figured out the process in a dream he had. He had a dream of natives marching around a campfire with spears in their hands going up and down with a hole in the tip. And that's how he came up with the sewing machine. He got it in a dream. Albert Einstein, uh, one of the smartest guys who ever lived, who gave us the theory of relativity, he got the, uh, the thought of that in a dream, he was sledding down a steep mountain, and the faster he went, he got to the speed of light. And when he got to the speed of light, the cosmos, the stars began to do funny things and look different. And when he woke up from that dream, he began to understand the theory of relativity and the speed of light. Robert Louis Stevenson, uh, who had the novel of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, has anyone ever seen that movie? He got that in a dream. Uh, Frederick Banting, his mother died of, uh, of diabetes. She, she was a diabetic. She died. He was a scientist. So he began to develop the, the very cure and the process of what his mother died from. And he got the solution in a dream of insulin injection. And he won the Nobel Peace Prize when he was 32 years old. How many of you know dreams are important? Sometimes when you go to sleep, your mind is still working, figuring out things that you cannot do in your state that you're in. And, and God's all about dreams, from Genesis to maps. How many of you know God is about dreams? And one of the things he does, he, he puts dreams in our hearts. And, you know, the first sermon in, in the Bible, it, it, it's uh, from that early church, Acts 2. Your young man shall see visions, your old man shall what? Dream dreams. So th this is all about dreams. So don't let your ceiling keep you from your dreams, for with God, even the sky is not the limit. Isn't, isn't that great? So, so God can take you further than you ever thought you could go. So, so how do we keep dreaming, keep growing, no matter what age we are? 
Listen, I, I'm a little bit older than most of you, but uh, I still dream. And, and I still have uh, things in my life I want to accomplish, things I want to do. And hopefully that's true about you, whether you're a six-year-old, 16, or 106. It makes no difference. God uses everybody. And he wants to use everybody. So, so how, how do I keep dreaming? How do I keep going forward? Let me give you just three quick ways this morning. The first one is uh, increase your capacity. Say that with me. Increase your capacity. Now let's all say it. Here we go. We've got to help each other. Increase your capacity. That means you keep growing. You keep stretching yourself. What, one of the favorite stories I've had over the years was uh, a little girl and her family's at the state fair, and they buy her this huge... Uh, voluminous uh, swirl of cotton candy and she's going down the midway with the cotton candy and one man says uh, little girl how is it that a little girl like you can eat such a big swirl of cotton candy and she said and I love her response sir I'm bigger on the inside than I am on the outside <laughs> how, how many of you know we need to be bigger on the inside than we are, are on the outside so, so we have to have that that ability to keep growing and expanding, and small minds seldom have big dreams. And so with that uh, statement, how, how do you get a, a larger mind? How do you increase yourself? Well, Paul gives us an insight to that in Romans chapter 12. If we present our body as a living sacrifice and be transformed by the renewing of our minds, so if we're transformed and renewed in our mind, we think completely different. And I want to tell you, since I got saved, I think different after Christ than I thought before Christ. Anybody else like that? My thinking has completely changed. So Paul said if we don't conform to the world, if we transform by the power of God, if we renew our mind, then we can have unlimited thinking. We can dream big things because God now has changed us. And he's using us. Can I hear any man? How many of you have ever heard of the prayer of Jabez? Jabez is only mentioned one time in your Bible. And it's odd in the, the, the thinking that it's odd because you have this huge genealogy. It gets to this guy by the name of Jabez. And all of a sudden it stops the genealogy and it focuses on a snippet of his life. This is in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers and his mother called his name Jabez because... Because I bore him in pain. Jabez called upon God, the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, so that I might not bring, that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. So the, the very name of Jabez means pain and sorrow. Now, we don't know much about the story of this man and, and why was he born in sorrow. Now, here's a lot of conjecture because the Bible is really silent on it. Was this an extraordinarily painful birth? Was that the reason she bore him in pain and sorrow? Or, since there's no mention of a husband here, because it's odd that the mother would be talking and not the father, because in that culture it was more about the fathers and the mothers. wasn't fair. Somebody say amen. But I'm just saying that was the culture. So was it because she now is rearing her family without a husband? Does she have some issues in the life or the family and now Jabez comes along and he prays this prayer. He said, Lord, I want you to enlarge my territory. I want you to enlarge my border. I, I, I want you to begin to keep me from evil and harm and pain. And is that him saying, 
Don't allow me to perpetuate the pain and the sorrow in our family that has been from here to there, maybe generation to generation. Now, you would know this as well as me. A lot of families have a lot of trouble. And there's things that come about in families that are almost generational. It takes somebody that loves God, who has faith and courage, to break that like a Jabez and say, Lord, let this stop with me. I want to dream bigger dreams. I don't want to go through the things that maybe my family's gone through. Enlarge me, bless me, keep me. And when you look at the words here, it begins to let you know that God's hand is upon him and he believes that God will do this if he will trust God. Now, I don't know how that translates to you, but maybe it means more responsibility, more opportunities in your life. Maybe it means expand my dream, expand my vision. Let me not get locked into something that I don't want to get locked into. Now, listen, sometimes we quit growing. We quit expanding, and we need a prayer like Jabez. Lord, don't let me get locked into this place. Don't let me stop here. This is not all there is. Let me read Psalm 119 to you, verse 32. I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart. Now, I've always heard an enlarged heart's not good for you, unless it's spiritual. How many of you know you need a big heart? I mean, it's like Grinch. It can grow and grow and, and grow. So enlarge my heart. This is Psalm 18:36. You have enlarged my steps under me that my feet did not slip. So if you enlarge your steps, I mean, you're more stable. TC, help me for a second. We haven't rehearsed this, and I didn't know who would be sitting on the front. But if you put your feet together like this, you're a pushover. <laughs> and just put them together. You're always a pushover. But if you separate your feet and you brace yourself, it's a little, little harder to push you over. And God said, let me tell you what I can do. You're here, but I can put you here. And whatever comes against you, listen, you, you can weather that hit. You can weather that storm. You can weather that push of the enemy. Can I hear an amen? Give TC a big hand. Thank you, TC. So he says, listen, I, I'm going to enlarge you. And this word here is the Hebrew word ravah. It means to increase, multiply, make large, greater, to grow, to make many, to become more. How many of you want to become more than you are? Now listen, I'm not talking about it here. I'm talking about in here that we can become more than we are today. Now, this passage that I'm going to read is out of Isaiah. And I think it's one of the quintessential passages about what we're talking about today, to dream big, to stretch, to enlarge yourself. This is 54, verse 2 and 3. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right, to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Carrie and I one time went to Lake Texoma. We, we got the truck. We, uh, we had the boat, we went down to do some camping, and we had a tent, had a two-room tent, had, had a little porch on the front of it, you know, the, the stuff that goes out, and you sit under the, the porch. Well, that night, a storm came, and I'm talking about not just a little storm, I'm talking about a huge summer, early summer storm. Now, one of the things you do with the tent, you, you, you put the stakes down, but what I did and it was a good thing. So, so I took some cord and, and I tied up the tent to some trees and I stretched it real tight. And, and so when the storm hit, Karen and I are inside the storm. Now listen, if you've ever weathered a storm in a tent, 
It's amazing. And so when it got more violent and the wind was uh, blowing and, I mean, it was hailing and, and it was just like torrents of rain, and, and Carrie said, you think we ought to go somewhere? And I said, honey, I think going somewhere is past now. And when the storm hit in the light of day, we looked out and, and there were like uh, campers turned over and trailers turned over and, and limbs down. And I'm thinking, God, thank you for allowing me to tie up this tent. Or we'd be like Dorothy, the Wizard of Oz. We'd be, you know, floating somewhere in the Netherlands. But it's important that when you understand the symbolism here, how do you make your tent bigger? You stretch it. You, you put the stakes out further. You pull the ropes tighter. And this is what God is saying. He says, through me, I'm going to tell you that you can stretch and you can grow and you can become more than you've ever been in your life. And let me tell you, to me, that is so very exciting. L look at the key words here. Enlarge, stretch, don't hold back, lengthen, strengthen, spread out to the right and to the left. How many of you are ready to spread out to some new territory? So new things in your life, new dreams in your life. And I believe God's speaking that to you today. I, listen, I came here with a message for somebody here today to say, you're not done, this is not over, God is still going to stretch you and use you in his kingdom. And let me tell you, that excites me, because that's what God does. In the 1920s, there were three British expeditions that went to Mount Everest. Now, Mount Everest is the largest mountain in the world, over 29,000 feet. And each one of those expeditions did not reach the top. There was one leader, his name was George Herbert Mallory. And he was leading that last expedition in 1924, and he was lost on the northern slope. It was 75 years later they found his body on Mount Everest in 1999. Him and through those expeditions, several of the men died, and none of them reached the summit. When they came back to England, they threw a banquet, a dinner in honor of those that were lost on the mountain. And in that banquet hall, and many of you have read this story, they had pictures of the departed around the room, and the, the leader of that expedition who survived, he stood up, and as he looked across the room and saw the pictures of his comrades that died, with tears in his eyes, he began to address those who were there in honor of them. And I want to read to you what he said. I speak to you, Mount Everest, in the name of all brave men living and yet unborn. You defeated us once, twice. You defeated us three times. But Mount Everest, we shall someday defeat you because you can't get any bigger, but we can. We're going to continue this process. On May 29, 1953, the very day I was born, Sir Edmund Hillary was the first man recorded in history that we have that reached the top, the pinnacle of Mount Everest. You see, even in the 20s, this man knew, listen, we're going to continue to pursue this. We're going to get better at what we do. We're, we're going to have better technology. We're going to get to the top of this thing. And sometimes we have to look at the future and say it almost looks impossible. But how many of you know with God all things are possible? And, and yet we still can increase our capacity. We can grow. We can stretch. No matter how old you are or what position you are in your life. So here's the second thing. 
If you're taking notes this morning, we need to live in a culture of courage and faith. A culture of courage and faith. Say that with me. A culture of courage and faith. You know what the atmosphere is? The atmosphere is everything that surrounds you. I mean, you breathe it in. You walk in it. You live in it. When you sleep at night, you're breathing the atmosphere. When you, when you walk in the day, when you work, when you play, whatever you do, it surrounds you. And so today, we have an atmosphere that we can live in of courage and faith as opposed to doubt and fear. Listen, we don't want to live in doubt and fear. We want to live in courage and in faith. There's a lot of different atmospheres and cultures in the world. Some are ethnic. I mean, there's the Asian culture. There's the black culture. There is, uh, there's all kinds of cultures, isn't there? There's the hippie culture. Anybody got a leftover tie-dye? Y'all are so holy. There's a Latin culture, Native American culture. Uh, there's the music culture, hip-hop, jazz, rap. I mean, a lot of people live in those different cultures. Um, even locations have cultures. Do you realize the Deep South has a different culture than New York City? And sometimes people from New York City, I don't understand what they're saying. And people in New York City don't understand what we're saying. I mean, there's different foods. Carrie and I was in South Carolina many, many years ago. I was preaching a revival there. And so we went to a restaurant that we have in our area. But one of the items they, they served in that restaurant was fatback. Does anybody know what fatback is? Fatback is just fat that's fried. It's bad enough just being fat. But if it's fried, it's double <laughs> terrible. And so they fed us some fat back, and I think, I'm going to have to pass on the fat back. It's like an unrendered, not done pork rind. I'm making you hungry, aren't I? <laughs> but, but different cultures, just different. Dress different. You know, our friend, Dr. Rick Van Hoos, that comes down from Indiana, every time he's down here, he wants me to take him to eat barbecue. And he wants to go to a Western store. So when he was here back in the spring, I took him and I bought him a big leather western belt. And then Steve TV Ball back there, he bought him, uh, got him a big buckle. Now, now listen, Dr. Rick's not very big. And I said, Brother Rick, I said, that looks like a shield. But, but he was so proud of it because, you know, they just don't have a lot of, quote, Western stores up in his neck of the woods. So he, he wanted a little bit of the Western culture. And this goes on and on. I mean, you know, people on the, the West Coast or the Left Coast are not like people in Oklahoma. And people on the East Coast, not like us. Uh, there's a sports culture. Uh, people, you know, dress in tennis shoes and sports apparel, uh, which, which is fine. There's a drug culture. If you've ever noticed, a lot of people who do drugs hang around with people what? who do drugs. There's a whole culture there. They live in a different atmosphere than, than you and I. So the question for you today is, what culture, what atmosphere are you living in? What, what's surrounding your life today? I mean, what, what's gathered around you? Uh, it, it should be that atmosphere and that culture of courage and faith for us, right? This is Acts chapter uh, number 17. If you remember, the disciples of the Lord have, have gone out, and he gave a great commission. He filled them with the Holy Spirit. But I want to give you the line from this chapter. 
These are the ones who've turned the world upside down. Don't you love that line? These are the ones who've turned the world upside down. So how in the world did they turn the world upside down? Well, let me just give you a few reasons. Number one, they preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. They did signs, wonders, miracles, healings, raised the dead. I mean, these guys were empowered by the Holy Spirit. And they changed the the people and, and the atmosphere and the culture around them. They cast out demons. These guys were infilled by the power of God to do what God sent them out to do. And they're the ones who what? Turned the world upside down. You remember when Peter and John were arrested? When they healed the lame man who could not walk and they're brought up before the Sanhedrin and the Sanhedrin, this is Acts chapter 4, they thought they were ignorant and unlearned men. Then the next line says, but then they realized they had been with Jesus. Listen, if you've been with Jesus, it changes the atmosphere around you. It changes the culture around you. If you haven't been with Jesus, you know what that's like. But once you meet Jesus, let me tell you, everything changes around you. Can I hear an amen? Let me read to you. This is Matthew 14. You'll, you'll remember the, the account. But I want to read it this morning. In verse 22 of Matthew 14, immediately... He made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowds, and let me stop there. Jesus has been teaching. He's been ministering to the crowds. Now he's letting them go. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, that's between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, don't be afraid. Now let me tell you, if I'm in the dark on an ocean and somebody walks by my boat, I'm noticing that. Are you? I'm thinking, this is not normal. So Jesus is walking next to their boat while they're struggling. Verse 28, and Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, Oh, you have little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Now, listen, this is an amazing story. What I want you to catch is this. Would Peter, in his wildest, wildest dreams, ever attempted to walk on the water if he had not been around Jesus? No way. No way. But let me tell you why this is important. But because he had been around Jesus, and he was in an atmosphere of faith, and a culture of courage, he was willing to step out of the boat, which he would have never done if he hadn't been around Jesus. I mean, I'm getting God bumps just thinking about that. So when you get around people of faith, and you hear the Word of God, and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to do things you would have never, ever done if you weren't in this atmosphere. If you weren't in this culture, because Peter would have never, ever done that. And let me tell you, that's all he knew. 
He's a fisherman all of his life. His dad, a fisherman, he lived on the north side of the Sea of Galilee in Capernaum, and that's all he ever knew. But I don't think ever, ever in his mind he thought, one day, I think I'll just walk on water. But since he's been around Jesus, and he saw, and he heard, and he listened, and he experienced it, now he's dreaming of doing things he would have never, ever dreamed of before. Isn't that exciting? Could it be God is placing you in a place where you can dream again to do things you have never, ever dreamed of before? And that's exactly what's happening here. You see, this atmosphere of faith, this culture of courage, this culture of excellence will lift you up. Listen, I don't want to be in a church that's just going through routine. I don't want to sing a bunch of old dead songs. I don't want to hear a six-foot icicle standing in the pulpit. I'd like to be around some people who have the atmosphere of faith around them. They have a culture of courage. They're believing God. They're expecting from God. Just like Peter. Jesus, do you think I could walk on this water? Come. Now, we we could say, well, he sunk. Well, he's the only one who got out of the boat. But it's because of Jesus he got out of the boat. Because what he had seen, what he had heard, what he experienced caused him to dream things he would have never dreamed before. Let me tell you, when you get around God's people, you you begin to think about what Jesus can do in your life. You will begin to dream things you never dreamed before. You see, when you and I live in an atmosphere of faith, we dream of doing things we've never dreamed of before. Can I hear an amen? Now, here's the last one. The last one is you and I have to acknowledge the power and the grace of God. Say that with me. We have to acknowledge the power and the grace of God. About a week ago, and this happens about four, five, six times a week, we get to FaceTime our grandkids. Now, Hartley's only about six months old, so you don't get much out of her. But Ian and Riley, year and a half and three years old, you get a lot out of them. So, we've had our FaceTime, Carrie and I, we're, we're, we're talking to them, and, and so Aaron says, uh, you want to tell Cece and Papa bye, and, and we heard something kind of in the background, we can see her, and we, we can't quite understand what she's saying. How many of you know, out of the mouth of a three-year-old, there's amazing things. <laughs> so, so Carrie and I, we're, we're, we're watching on the iPad, we're FaceTiming, and, and I said, Aaron, what, what did she say? I said, well, she's singing a little song for you. And here's the song. I love you. I love you. I'm a princess and I don't know how I do it. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I'm a princess and I don't know how I do it. Well, let me tell you, in this kingdom, I know how you do it. It's by the grace and the power of Almighty God. It's not me, it's not you, we're the instruments, God uses us, but it's by his grace, it's by his power, you're saved by grace through faith, whatever you do in this kingdom, it's by the grace of God and the power of God, can I hear a hearty amen, but yet, God wants to use you, now you can choose what you do here with this, but God wants to use you, and he desires to use you. So I have to acknowledge, Lord, anything that I do is by your grace, it's by your power. Now, uh, everything we do in the kingdom is that, but here's the good news. 
he gives us his grace and his power. I mean, he's willing to give that to you and I. Now, this is Matthew 28. Most of you know Matthew 28 and 19. Let me back up a verse. This is Matthew 28 and 18. All power in heaven and in earth is given to me. So, so who has the power? Jesus does. Not because I said it. That's his own confession. All power in heaven and earth is given to me. But I love the next verse I'm going to give you. This is Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So, fact, Jesus has all the power. Fact, he is willing to give that to you and I. So whatever you face, whatever I face, when the enemy comes in like a flood, this is what Jesus said, you will have power over everything the enemy tries to do to you. May not work out the way that you think, but I'm going to tell you, you have power over the enemy. Scorpions and serpents and whatever he tries to do, Jesus said, I'm going to give you my power. I have all of it. I'm going to give it to you to use. We have to acknowledge the grace and the power of God belongs to him, but he's willing to give it to every one of us. Man, that's exciting, isn't it? Every one of us, how do I dream big? How do I move forward? Where do I go from here? Increase your capacity. Begin to dream again. Realize that God can use you. And understand it's His grace and power that flowing through your life. You see, He's willing to give that to us if we're willing to receive it. A week ago, last Saturday, Carrie and I went to uh, our youngest son's home, and he and Stephanie were there, and little Hartley, and we, I went there to watch the OU Texas game. Carrie went there to shop. So after the game, we went shopping, but uh, when we got there, little Hartley, she had her OU shirt on. She had her little bow in her hair. She had red socks on that had OU on both socks. She's ready for the game. Six months old. And when that game started, I thought, goodness gracious, this is going to be absolutely horrible. And sometime during the game, one of Hartley's little socks fell off. I said, Hartley, please put that sock back on. This is bad. <laughs> this is bad juju here. Of course, she couldn't put her sock on, so I, I got her and I put her sock back on. And if it wasn't for that sock, we'd have lost that game. <laughs> but we, we spent the day with them, and then after the game was over, we, we said our goodbyes. And Carrie and I, we went shopping, went with the outlet mall. We went to look at furniture. And before we went home that evening, we went to a restaurant to eat. We're sitting in the booth, and right across the aisle from us is another couple in the booth, about a five-year-old son looked like. You ever close to somebody when the tension is so thick you feel like you could cut it with a knife? So we're there, we're trying to enjoy you know, our night out, we're enjoying our, our meal. And this couple next to us, it was just, you know, you, you don't want to listen, you don't want to look, you don't want to experience any of this, I'm not here for this, but there was a whole lot of drama going across the aisle. 
This guy was looking at his, I assume it was his wife, and he's giving her the right act. Telling her what all she's doing, how she's failing, how she's faltering. You need to do this, you need to do that. And I glanced over there, and she was very stoic, but tears were welling up in her eyes. And I could tell he's, he's dressing her down pretty bad. The little boy has a little action figure, and he, you know, how five years old to do, he, he's still playing over there on, on the edge of the booth. But I thought, how horrible that he has to listen to this. How horrible that I have to listen to this. And, and, and they went on, and she said very few words, and this guy is just letting her have it, letting her have it, letting her have it. Finally, the food came. They put their, foods down, their, their heads down, looked at the food, they began to eat, and none, none, another word was said. When they got up and left, number one, I was thankful that they left. It helped my meal immensely. But number two, I thought, you do not have to live this way. You do not have to live this way. There's a better way to live. And listen, thousands upon thousands, ten thousands upon ten thousands of couples are there. It's the hurt, it's the pain, it's the disappointment. Uh, I didn't get from you what I expected, or uh, you didn't get from me what you expected. How many of you know we live in a fallen world? But in the midst of that, there's a better way to live. And if you're there today, I want to I declare to you, there's a better way to live. You, you don't have to live that way in your marriage. You don't have to live that way as you grow up. You don't have to live that way uh, because Jesus can change things in your life. Uh, I don't know of a marriage that hasn't had had difficulties. Carrie and I will be the first one to confess we've had our share. But as far as I know, we have the best marriage that I know of. But that doesn't mean that she doesn't act up at times. (laughs) But but as I I listened to that conversation that was really one-sided, and I, I looked at the face of that wife and the tears welling up in her eyes, and I could just feel her heart hurting. And I don't know what happened. I mean, I have no idea what happened, but no matter who's at fault, there is a better way to live. And I thought, if you could just kind of get your act together, if you could kind of begin to see things differently, and the only way I know to get my act together is through Jesus Christ. He's willing, but I have to decide. I have to decide, am I going to continue to live that way or am I not, not going to live that way? You, you see the blessing of God, the power of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of, of God is there, but you decide whether you take it. You have to accept it. And whether you accept it or not, it's still there. And you can dream again. You, you can dream about your marriage again. You can dream about your family again. You can dream about what God's going to do again. Listen, I never want to stop dreaming. I never want to stop being what God says I could be or do what God says I can do. How many of you know we need dreamers and doers? It's not enough just to dream. You've got to wake up and do something. Amen? So we need dreamers and doers. That's why I'm excited about what God's doing among us. I'm excited about building new buildings. Not just to build buildings because... It's going to be a place where we can have more children and, and more youth and more teenagers and, and, and do a greater job of ministry. That's not the goal. That's just the tool to complete the goal. And that's to proclaim the goodness of God. That Jesus loves you and he loves me and he went to the cross to save you and I. 
That's what this whole thing's about. You can choose heaven or you can choose hell. And you can choose hell by default, by not making a choice at all. Hell wasn't even created for you. The Bible's clear. It was created for the devil and his angels. But if you go there, you go there because you chose to go there. Or you can choose to make heaven your home and dream dreams you never thought you could ever dream. Think about old Peter. Peter, have you ever thought about walking on water? Nope. But when I saw Jesus doing it, something sparked in my heart. Let me, let me close with this. I, I thought about this this week. Peter could have said to you and I, Roderick, he could have looked us right in the face and said, you know what, I've been on this water all my life, but never like this. I've been on this water all my life, but never like this. Let me tell you what you and I can do. I, I've prayed all my life, but I've never prayed this way. I've worshipped all my life, but I've never worshipped this way. Listen, I've been a believer all my life, but I believe more today than I've ever believed. Listen, I've worked for the Lord all my life, but never like this. How many of you know God can take what you're doing, He can take it, expand it, stretch your tent and your cords and your stakes, and say, enlarge yourself, because I'm the God that can do that in every person's life. I want you to bow your head with me this morning. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.